welcome to episode 189 of Friends and Film, where we bring the latest movie news and review the biggest new release, or, in the case of this week, discuss the best movies of 2019 so far. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again, joined by Josh Draley. Here and proud. And, because it's a list, we had to bring back Colin Leakty. Leakty's List. That's right, Leakty's List. Yeah, thanks mm-hmm. for having me, guys. Good to be back. This is probably edition 10? We have to, I need to count these one of these we, days. We, we bring this up every time i know i feel like we're way off but i never so. i never think about it other than when you're right here my researchers have informed me that colton is in fact the number one guest yeah. on the pod hey intern can we get can you get on that real quick yeah. oh yes oh wait i've just remembered we do not have interns oh. <laughs> uh yeah, maybe one do, day okay i was about to do a character oh but... sorry intern you want to get back in here real quick <laughs> it's, it's, the facade the, the <laughs> is <Dang> gone <laughs> ruined it we could have looked so successful uh but josh we don't have an intern but we do have social media. We do. And I treat it like a social media intern. That means very rarely I do the right thing or the job. And so you can find our Twitter uh, at friends and film. Um, we have tweets, news, and all the things. But if you're looking for more of leak these lists or episode reviews or big questions, which we do on Wednesdays and Thursdays, or Wednesdays, not Thursdays. Yeah, I was like, what? Anyway, I just did not new We have an extra episode all of a sudden? I'm just ad-libbing as <laughs> we go here. Um, you can get all of those episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. But on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us. That will ultimately help rank us, and then we can find more friends of the show. That's right. So, um, because we do have... 15 movies to go through plus news at the end of the episode. We're going to bypass what we've watched recently because we've watched probably some of these movies in the top 15 recently. And I'm going to start off with bundling our 15 through 11s, which if you don't know already, the way this list was made was each of myself, Colin and Josh each submitted a top 15 list. And then I compiled the numbers to make a consensus list for friends and film of the best movies of 2018 so far. And at number 15 is Peanut Butter Falcon, and number 14 is Pet Cemetery. at number 13 is Under the Silver Lake, at number 12 is Rocket Man, and at number 11 is Midsommar. Josh, I know that one's going to surprise you, so kick us off with that. Oh, that one hurts so I'm much. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Outside of the top 10, and like, listen, like that's my number one yeah. movie, and it didn't even crack the top 10. That's correct. Um. Ari Aster's horror epic fantastical adventure starring Florence Pugh and uh, Jack Rayner is messed up on so many levels, but I loved it to death for what it means for uh, in so many ways. And I am I am kind of speechless <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I knew you. I knew you hated. Did, did not like it. I Colin. did not. I. I well, I'm did, Cooper. Yeah. I think you just call me Colin. Cool. Um, and wow, that so, means that Colton didn't even put it on his list. Not true. But yikes. Colin I, had it at 15. Yes. So it just cracked his. Wow. So here's I'm, my thoughts on this movie. Please just just dish. Please. <laughs> I I walked out of this one originally. I don't know if I liked it or not. It was very off-putting. Um, a lot of the scenery I never care to see again. Um, so I, I slept on it. Um, you know, a couple days later, I was thinking about it some more, and it just didn't leave my mind, the movie as a whole. So, mm-hmm. like, thinking back on it, it just it's just something that's constantly, some of the imagery in the movie stayed in my mind. It's technically one of the most impressive movies of the year. It's just not one I want to revisit probably again <laughs> i have it at 15 it made that top 15 solely because of how well 
made of a movie it is. Yeah, I mean, I think I am. I'm not right there with you because you know I we didn't we never talked about it on the podcast. No, because it just didn't line up that way with scheduling wise. But this was I I, I want to say it was the first movie I saw after like getting back from vacation, and I was this was or right before I went on vacation. And then whenever it happened, I just wiped it from my memory mm-hmm. because it was like two hours and 20 minutes, two hours and 30 minutes. Yeah. It was, it's a long movie. Um, and I just felt like I was certified insane by the end of it. I was just like, I don't know anything of what happened. It lost me as it went on. It, and I thought performances were great from Florence Pugh. I thought the direction and the look of it all was fantastic. Yeah, there's striking imagery. I'll like hand that off to Ari Aster all day long. I just could not connect with the story. So that way, I, for about the entirety of it, I'm just sitting there thinking, what's going on? And, you know, for that reason, I mean, yeah, it's not it's not in my top 15. And um, I'll call out the only one in, in this 11 through 15 range that is in my top 15 was number 12's Rocket Man, uh, which is a movie I think that was really well directed by Dexter Fletcher, had an incredible incredible performance by Taron Edgerton, and really just got me more involved with the Elton John story more so than his music, which mm-hmm. was a surprise. Whereas like Bohemian Rhapsody was like, oh, Queen's music is great, the story is fine. But this one, I was like, no, I was really invested in Elton John's story, even though you know I think there's elements to it that are odd and you know strangely executed but i think for the most part you know taron really carries this movie and is still one of my favorite male performances of the year to this point so that's why i got into uh my top 15 and you know only did you know it didn't crack our top 10 but it's still a really solid movie and uh colin i think it was on your list as well yeah i had it at 12 um it's it's more yeah like you already mentioned the taron edgerton's performance is really what stands out in my Mm -hmm. mind really after seeing it in uh i think late may Mm -hmm. early june whenever it came out there a couple scenes stick in my mind, but that's about it. So, I mean, I can't get it into my top 15 or top 10. But. Yeah. I crazily enough haven't even seen it. So really? go figure. Oh. And I like that John. Yeah, I figured you had. Um, but uh, Colin, is there any other of these um, that you want to call yeah, out? Can you uh, name them off again for me? Uh, the three that we haven't talked about are under the silver lake, pet cemetery and peanut butter Falcon. Okay. Well, peanut butter Falcon, I thought was terrific. That was in my top 10. Um, it just came out like for us here. Mm-hmm. So I got a chance to see it. And, um, yeah, highly recommend it. It's uh, heartwarming. It's you know somewhat sad in mm-hmm. a way too. Um, it's just got great performances all around. Um, yeah, definitely check it out. It's um, got Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, Shia LaBeouf. He's really good in it. And uh, um, Dakota Johnson. Dakota right? Johnson's good in it. Um, Zach Gottsagen. I don't know how to say his last name there. I, I I do believe I don't know how to say his name either, but I do believe that the directors of this movie like crafted it around him because they mm-hmm. met him at like a summer camp or something. Yeah. And so they made the movie so he could be the lead in it, which yeah. I think is really cool. So um, for those of you guys that don't know the premise of the movie, it's a, uh, it's a guy with down syndrome. He wants, he's dreaming of being a pro wrestler. Um, he, his family abandoned him. So he's stuck living at a nursing home mm-hmm. where Dakota Johnson takes care of him. He's constantly always trying to get out and escape so he can go to the school that he's wanted to go to for, to like pursue his wrestling career. So uh, Shia LaBeouf's character gets into some trouble and he's on the run uh, by foot. And, uh, you know, so is this other guy. <laughs> and they kind of just meet up and go on a journey together. It's really great. Well, that yeah. sounds like it's ready to make me cry. 
Yeah, I, I, after you know, I saw Kenna Colton put it in his top ten. I was like, oh, I need to go. I need to go check this one out. So, um, Pet Cemetery is the one we have not gone through yet. Josh is your number eight of the year. Mm. Yeah, like I'm a sucker for Stephen King adaptions. Um, I really, really enjoyed it as I do like his books. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not too butthurt about this one. I I know it's 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 dark and it's niche. And if you haven't read the book, um, the movie. The movie can be, I guess, it's not dense, but you've seen it, Cooper. And I have. It's, and it's, it, ling- it lingers on a lot of things that you're just sort of, you have to, you, if you can't, if you don't know Underlying Grief already, the movie just sort of layers over it and passes over it. And so I, I kind of get that. I kind of get that, yeah. but it's also somber and dark as heck. And mm-hmm. so that's why I got it up there. I'm yeah. not too shocked though. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Me, neither me or Colin have that in our uh, top 15, but let's move on into our top 10. Number 10 of the best of the year so far is how to train your dragon, the hidden world that comes in with me and Colton both agreeing that it is the seventh best movie we've seen this year with Josh, not including it in his list, which I have to say a little surprised by not mad, but I just, you know, I was a little surprised. I really enjoyed The Hidden World. I did. But for some reason, these movies just don't get to me <laughs> the way they do you two um, and the way lots of people seem to enjoy. Do you just enjoy. not like animals, Josh? No, Are you I not do. a pet lover? I, I love pets. Dragon, I mean, pet dragons, you know, most <laughs> of all. I love mine. But... Like, I don't know, like these just never stuck in my mind the way other animated films do. Like, I I feel the heart and the soul and the love, but when it came time to put my list down, I was like, yeah, I don't think so. (laughs) Okay. That, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm not totally surprised, but I think How to Train Your Dragon closes out this trilogy in such a remarkable way. It's emotional. It does great stuff with the characters, Hiccup and Toothless. Their arcs throughout this movie and throughout the trilogy, I think, are just top notch. And it's got gorgeous animation. Um, and really, I just think that like this trilogy and this movie should be on par with like the original Toy Story trilogy. It is like it is up there. I'm not saying it surpasses it or equals it, but it is very close to that same bar. And uh, I really hope that just as time goes on, more people see this franchise because it is great. And the third one is maybe the best one. Yeah, any movie that gets me emotionally invested is going to make my top ten. Um, that's same thing with Peanut Butter Falcon too. Uh, just those two, um, they have a similar vibe that you get from them, where it's not like heartbreaking sadness, but it's enough to like. It's hard to explain, but like <laughs> it's just like the emotional payoff that you get from it mm-hmm. is similar, um, and that's what I enjoyed about it. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I, other than that, I kind of mirror all your what you just said. So, so let's move on then to our number nine which is Longshot, a movie all three of us have in our top 15s. I have it at the highest at 10. Josh had it at 11. Colton had it at 13. Um, I believe this is the, depending on how you want to classify certain other movies that we'll talk about later, probably the best straight-up comedy that Mm. we've gotten this year. It is, I think, so, so, so funny, but also probably the most remarkable thing this movie does is make a Seth Rogen, Charlize Theron romance believable, which... Heading into the movie, I was like, "That's that can't be possible." But right. like, I, as we played out, I was like, "I buy this." And to that movie's credit, um, that's why it gets into my top ten here. Yes, like I do, dude. I totally agree. Um, and like the buyability is fantastic and good, but also, um, like it just it, it was like a 
it played with like the power dynamics and like which was straight up funny, but also it did this thing with Seth Rogen where it made me like not look at him and be like, Oh, Seth Rogen is a shtick like every time. But as soon as we get he's like doing Seth Rogen, but he's also acting a little bit of a character which he mm-hmm. never does, except in the um Steve Jobs movie with Michael Fassbender. Like he he's 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 somebody else there for the first time ever. And so that did it for me. And also it's just funny as heck. So that's why I love yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it was clever. That's what I liked about it the most. Um, Jonathan Levine, I've loved all of his movies so far. Um, I think this ranks up there with uh, probably, I'd say it's better than Night Before. 50 mm-hmm. 50 still is best to me. But um, it's right in that vein, though. I put it right underneath 50 50. And the saga of the Nazi yeah. tattoo. Mm-hmm. Just incredible. Oh, I mean, all yeah. the way through. Right from the start. <laughs> oh, yeah. like, oh, this is. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I think honestly that uh, the two scenes that stick out to me the most. There's a scene with O'Shea Jackson that I really loved, um, and then there's the opening scene. Mm-hmm. Those are the two that stand in my mind. <laughs> That's right. So Wakanda forever. Shout out. All, all of it is the, perfect. The scene I was referring to with Jackson was uh, how he's like revealing to him that he's a Republican. Oh yeah. Stuff. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Love that scene. Like, my whole life is just <laughs> so upside down right to now. The God. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. O'Shea Jackson, Hollywood. <laughs> Use him. He's so good. Uh, let's move on to our number eight, which is Shazam, the lone DC movie we get this. Well, the lone DCEU movie we get this year. Um, I had it at number eight. Colin had it at eleven. Josh had it at fourteen. So it made all of our top fifteens. And Josh, you look startled. Did I mess up something? Is no. Shazam not on my list, or are you surprised <laughs> at its placement? <laughs> no, I am not surprised by Shazam's placement. I am surprised by. My list. I'm reading it for like the third time. <laughs> you didn't realize Shazam was in there. It's like I shouldn't have Shazam in here. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's there's some glaring errors, but they're fine. Everything is good. Um, and so Shazam is the funniest superhero movie I have ever seen, ever, hands down. Almost to the point where it's a straight up comedy, and I love it for that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an incredible coming of age movie, but also the family dynamics. Um, I think are where this movie really shines through with Billy and his adopted family. I think they're developed really well. And you, you really believe that even though he's the outsider and he's not accept, he's not accepting his new family yet. Like you buy that, like they all really love each other and that like, eventually he'll come into that fold. And I mean, Zachary Levi, when he is powered up as Shazam is just spectacular. He's throwing clips. I love still, it's probably one of my favorite, you know, ways of getting around a superhero trope is when him and Savannah are flying above the city they're like two miles apart and Savannah's giving his big evil speech and he's just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I I can't hear you. Like, I don't know what you're saying. You're just blah, 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 blah. It's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's so good. Um, yeah. I, Shazam is, it's not the best DCU movie, but it's, it's pretty close. Yeah. I mean, um, I love how it also deals with just, it gives you a whole new perspective on the superhero movie by showing like a kid discovering his powers mm-hmm. and, you know, having fun with it, akin to maybe like Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, but uh, you know, that's that's the first time we've gotten something like that, and it's you know its own unique spin on it too. Yeah, and I think it does a really good job of doing that in 2019, where it's like, what would mm-hmm. uh, 13, 14, whatever, how old these kids are? What would they, what would people now do if they found out the superpowers? They create a YouTube channel, mm-hmm. they like try to go viral, and like that's exactly <laughs> what Billy and um, Freddie do. And it's yep. just like that's it's great. Uh, Jack Dylan Grazer is phenomenal in the movie; he brings a lot of heart to it, but also a lot of comedy. And I, yeah, I'm really excited 
I mean, I obviously love this movie, but I'm also really excited just to see what comes next for this then. Yeah, not to spoil too much. I love how, you know, at the end, how they kind of play around with the whole Shazam powers thing. Yes. Uh, with, with the magic of it all. Um, I mean, even just the way that he uses Shazam to transform into mm-hmm. the superhero, they use it in some clever ways yeah. that, that I enjoyed. So, I mean, yeah, it's either used for like real like effect and like battle potentially, or even just like as comedic jokes where it's like, yeah. he has to go to the bathroom and like <laughs> scares other people who are in the bathroom because uh, lightning just struck. And it's, yeah, it's, I think Shazam's really clever, really funny uh, and brings us to our next superhero movie on the list at number seven, Spider-Man far from home, which, uh, I have a number five. Colin has it number four. Listen. Josh. I think this was an oversight on my part. I was kind of wondering because <laughs> Josh didn't have it on his list and I was I was questioning his, I, his, his thought my, process. My first draft, which like, okay, I, I, I there, was, there was two drafts. There was the one I remembered and then one I needed to like plug things in. It was on there. I promise. Um, and it was like it was like around number six or number five. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, but as things move forward, I guess I pulled it off, and wow. Um, it seems like that was unintentional. <laughs> it it was like unintentional, but also I was moving it, and then, folks, I did enjoy Far From Home. You can see the review on our site. Yeah, I thought <laughs> um, you enjoyed it like as much as I did, almost. I super did. And yes, yeah, so I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I guess opinions change after we. Um, he must have saw it again and hated it. I don't know if there's any calculus for that, but uh, yes. Sorry. <laughs> do you want to like redo your list and like put like say where you would put it ultimately? And yes, I would. Act, I would absolutely. Just so like when we do our final run through, we can yes, be like, yes, here's please. what it would yes, really please. be. I would like to put it at number six. Okay. It has been fixed, <laughs> which yeah changes it from being a number seven movie. Up to, uh, I think the calculus would throw it like number three, right? Uh, yeah, I'd throw it to number three. So yeah, it's not seven. It's which is still great. It's still a top. T- it's still a top two movie, but now it's elevated itself up. I'm so very sorry. Uh, no, it's totally fine. Uh, we just gotta gotta do some recalculations here on the fly. Um, but let's move on to a movie that Josh did include in his list at number. It's our sixth movie, but it's very high for him. Did we even talk about Spider-Man Far From Home? I feel like no, I just kind of glossed over it. We did just I, gloss over it. Sorry. <laughs> I don't want to do that because it's yeah. my five. It's Colton's four. And now it's officially Josh's six. Not <laughs> not on his list. So I think this movie is just so fun. And now after the fact of, as we'll talk about in the news section uh, later on, potentially maybe being the final Spider-Man movie in the MCU, it's going to have like a bittersweet quality to it if that stays the case. But also like it's a pretty high note to go out on with Mysterio played excellently by Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, can't ask for a better performance from that guy. And like Tom Holland nails it. it. It just gets everything you want. And then at the end, the surprises, the the twists of what could come in the future, which now probably will not happen, which is really sad. Um, but I think still Spider-Man Far From Home, the European adventure aspect, the action, uh, it's not stopped and it's brilliant. Absolutely. Anything else from Spider-Man Far From Home? You kind of touched on everything I'm sorry. I was thinking in my mind, but no, I I mean, this is like top tier Marvel Cinematic Universe to me. I absolutely loved what they did with Mysterio, that whole sequence, it just like watching it in the theater for the first time, just melting my mind, just, I couldn't be any happier with it. Um, I actually 
I was on such a far from home high when I saw it the first time that I had it number one of the year. But wow, um, I've I've since rewatched it three other times. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. So you've I've seen it four it, times. Yeah, I've seen it four times. Wow. Josh, have and, you seen uh, it? multiple times twice really so i'm the only one who hasn't seen it twice which is <laughs> really yeah and it's and it's not a i don't like this movie i hate it like it's more it's like i went on vacation right when it yeah. came out and so i was gone like the second week where i would normally be like watching it several times and then the summer season kicked in and i was just like i just lost track of time and never say, got, then you got back to comic-con and then yeah everything else right yeah everything's just kind of been a nice. whirlwind so uh i yeah i mean Actually, it's good. It's supposed to get a re-release, which is not, oh, yeah. not this weekend or next weekend. Next weekend. Kind of bad timing. Uh, it's very bad yeah. timing. Um, but, you know, I'll probably, that, that that's my excuse as of now to go check it out again and see it's it for a call. second time. It's a good call. But uh, anything else? Yeah, absolutely. It's the quintessential Peter Parker story, too. Mm-hmm. It laces in um, responsibility with his, you know, um, his desire, his want to, like, you know, not have responsibility. And then it also ties them up into, well, it's still really cool to have Spider-Man powers and they illustrate it in some of the best ways. And you get a full, you get a full Ben Parker effect with the Tony Stark and game fallout. Absolutely. And I think the biggest aspect that I liked about the movie that I was a little worried they weren't going to bring back. I don't know why it would have been, but the whole uh, high school dynamic, um, the interplay between all the kids, um, I thought we might see less of that, but we got just as much. So Beautiful. it was great. Yeah, yeah I and mean, I think, and they elevated the MJ Peter relationship to a whole nother degree mm-hmm. of this one, which beforehand, and after the first, I was like, I mean, okay, it seems like kind of a cheap twist, but like, hey, yeah, she's MJ. And it's like, okay, cool. They did Whatever. a really good job making her character more. But she, she's just different. Like, like she's not the Christian yeah. Dunst version. She's not the one from the comics. Like she is her own. I guess more interesting, engaging yeah. than what you would think. Because like, like after the first one in the like, yeah and like the comics a lot of times she's just more of like a oh I'm super popular ditzy I'm beautiful I'm a model yeah. and you're like okay cool how does Peter this get one's that not girl? confident about herself right just Even like Peter's not Zendaya. confident about himself yeah, like, but yeah I mean she's also like in the first one she was just like a punchline kind of yeah where they made her actually you know engaging in this mm-hmm. one yeah and I think the yeah her reveal when she like initially is like kind of talking when she like guesses that he's spider-man and he's like wait is that the one who's been paying attention to me and like the heartbreak that falls over both of them and she's like uh yeah and, like she lies because he thinks she's like her it's just like it's it's sad yeah, you that can moment. see the pain in both of them right too, but then like it. when they get that reunion on the bridge after everything's said and done, like, oh good and like it they just get feels the, genuine right so that's what that was so great about it's it. so believable yeah. and again if you know if if this was his last time in the MCU, hopefully the Casleys carries over as well, and that we get more of the MJ Peter. I mean, you can't bring back that certain character in the post credits <laughs> scene can't, and can't, not continue that. You Come can't you now. can't do a lot if you don't have an yeah. MCU. But um, let's jump to what is our number six technically right now, but it will be reordered later on uh, after these calculations are done. Um, which is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Josh, this is your number two yeah. movie of the year, coming in at six. Are you shocked by that placement? Uh, yeah, no, I'm may, not shocked. But you're surprised? Maybe I thought you're I'm, defeated. I, I disappointed. I'm interested to know where Colton placed his. It's my five. It mm. could easily move up to number two or three. I interesting, think. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. I've seen this um, one three times too. Which wow. means then, which yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it only twice. It's a long movie. Okay. Um, like I can, even I, even I can only do Blade Runner once yeah. in the theater folks. Wait, really? Yeah. 
I saw that one a couple times. I saw it twice, which is... <laughs> I know, and you held it over me, and you're like, why do you love this movie so much? <laughs> well, yeah, I, remember, I watched it the second time, because I was like, I feel like I'm missing something, because I really like it, but everybody's like, this movie is the best thing I've seen all year. I'm like, ah, it's very close. <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is almost that Blade Runner level for me, okay? There's, there's so much just packed into it. Number one, it's just a phenomenal Quentin Tarantino film. Second of all, it's a phenomenal Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio movie. And then third, it's just wound up in history and, um, you know, Americana in a lot of ways. And, uh, like, that just grabs me. But then it's a movie about making movies. And then that's just where I just go full head into it. And I've just fallen completely in love with um, Rick Dalton's entire day on set. It is it is it is unforgettable movie. It's unforgettable movie stuff. It really is. Just watching Tarantino shoot a western, how he would shoot a western, but it's also in the style of how they would shoot like, you know, a, a boring old TV show like in a lot of ways. And it's it is riveting and I love it so much for that reason. And then of course Margot Robbie Sharon Tate just kind of glitzes through the movie and adds that you know, dread and nostalgia all at the same time if you know Sharon Tate's real story and all of this and it just makes it so fun. Mm-hmm. It gets funnier the more you see it too. Um, you pick up on little things. Uh, I love how like certain scenes will play out just for a punchline at the end. <laughs> That's how a lot of the scenes are. It feels like, um, yeah. I just I love the. Uh, it's just it's hilarious the way they they play with like how they just show DiCaprio's like movies that he's in, mm-hmm. and then they just I don't, the voiceovers are great. Um, narration sometimes doesn't work, but it works perfectly in this movie. I think even with the. The, I know some people have complained about the jump forward in time, but I thought it worked out with the movie. Um, and I didn't have a problem with the tone shift at the end. I didn't. I thought it. Right. I didn't really th- even think it was that much of a tone shift. Uh, maybe it's just because it was a Tarantino movie, right. and I expected we, it to come. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you but, knew it was coming at some point. Like yeah. someone's going to get their skull bashed in at some <laughs> point, and it's just a matter of when. And when you acknowledge, when you know the significance of that day, yeah. After the time jump, it's just like, all right, something's mm-hmm. going down. But I want to see Brad Pitt and DiCaprio both uh, getting noms for this. Okay, yeah. where do you do you try to run them as both leads, or do you throw um, Pitt as supporting? I think Pitt's supporting. Yeah, yeah. I'd yeah. probably say that too, but I know there's people who would like no, like they're both the leads of the movie, and I, I think probably in terms of screen time, you're probably right. Like they're both on screen equally, and it almost seems like. For the most part, Pitt has the like the true arc of the film, not DiCaprio, mm. but he kind of gets tied in with the whole like the stuff that comes back at the end, right? Whereas know? DiCaprio, the whole thing is just like chilling. <laughs> I just I love his character though because he's oh, like yeah. he's whiny one second and then he's like he throws that tantrum in the car where the mm-hmm. you know the valet's in there and then he just like <laughs> that I laugh at that every time, but uh. You know, just like how he's like crying one second about his career, and then the next second he's got like a new lease on life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Polanski's next door. Okay, my <laughs> career's back. You know, yeah. stuff like that. I just love his mood swings mm-hmm. that he has in the movie. How he's like that interplay with him and uh the one Julia Butters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When he's like, you know, starts crying and he's like, <laughs> "It's gonna be you in 15 years." You know, just, <laughs> yeah, he's like, "That's the best it's, actor it's I've great. ever seen." He just breaks down. Yeah. After already like throwing his tantrum in the trailer, like, yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, DiCaprio and Pitt, I think, are on like at maybe the height of their powers like they are killing it and it's just kind of funny film. too because you kind of just look at brad pitt and you're just like why are you like such great friends with this guy he just uses you all the time but at the same time you kind of get it yeah because they just have a great like you know like 
just hanging out together and mm-hmm. talking and stuff. Well, like we, we it's, like, it, it, it believable. it's believable. Right. And like know? we didn't get to see the build up like that they spent, you know, decades working together. Yeah. But you we also get that backstory that, you know, um what what's his name? Cliff? Cliff Booth, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, with the yeah, uh, his wife. Like, yeah. yeah, like we get that backstory. He's basically been because of that and then ha- getting in a fight with Bruce Lee, he's been basically <laughs> like blacklisted from Hollywood. So like he doesn't really have much else to do other than be friends with Rick Dalton. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think their performances are great. I, I disagree with you on the tonal shift surprising me, um, which I, we talked about in our review that we did. Uh, you can go check that out, but I think I'd be interested to watch this again, knowing that like knowing, I mean, I expected some sort of violence. I didn't expect it to be that big and blatant and over the top, but also with the you know after you know I, I like the idea that you know well you know cliff booth is also on drugs at that moment so that could all be exaggerated and so like maybe like watching again through that lens would be interesting and maybe take some of that off but um i still think it would be it's still a little jarring tonally to to get from oh it's a sweet movie about friendship to then you know we're bashing people's faces in and they're burning people alive and it's like oh but the flamethrower <laughs> is what brought them together in the end <laughs> i guess it was a full circle from the beginning to the end of the movie it's great oh man i love it let's move on into our top five uh which is book smart and number five uh it was colton's number 10 josh's number five my number three um a movie that even though i've only seen one time i just know like it's it's great and like i can't wait to rewatch it again it's now out on digital but i'm just basically waiting to buy it physically so i can own it and watch it again and it's got so many great moments the the one that always stands out to me is when they're on the way to one of the like six parties they go to and they're uh, being ubered by their principal who's played by jason sudeikis <laughs> and caitlin dever yes. and beanie felstein are trying to figure out something and have to watch a very inappropriate video and uh at that moment <laughs> their uh their phone is connected via bluetooth and uh some very not suitable for work or for your principal uh sounds come over the speakers it's hilarious i lost i lost it when that when that happened the first time and mm-hmm. i think it just really proves that Olivia wild is a voice to be reckoned with moving forward um and i'm really excited to see what she does next which she already has like three projects or something lined up uh, but also see what comes next for beanie feldstein and caitlin dever because they both um seem really talented and as well as i think the rest of the cast they do i think that's one of the like best takeaways from this movie is why does such a good job of establishing very quickly and easily like who all these other supporting characters are their attitudes how they act their relationships with each other so it, it's a very believable oh these all these kids all go to high school this is the dynamic i i buy that almost instantaneously and so then you can just go along for this crazy wacky ride that has uh, stop motion <laughs> you know dream sequences and all this ridiculous stuff but it's yeah. it's just so brilliant mm-hmm. you can't um you can't forget yeah like you said like there's a murderous row of supporting actors from jessica williams to um lisa curdbo and will forte like did not know jessica williams is in this movie at all i saw it last night or the night before of this taping oh, okay you would Cooper texted me for my list and I was like, oh, wait till morning. I'm watching Booksmart <laughs> for the first time. And just like, like you said, like it in, in just 20 minutes or so, you, you know, the high school, you know, the characters and it's this 
tonic this mix that's just about to get you know lit on fire and like explode into this like rambunctious night that they get themselves involved into and it's but it's also like so warm and loving and like the heart at the end of the movie i did not even see coming because it's so genuine and sincere and then the pancakes and like (laughs) all of that is just beautiful and like i just i love that entire thing to death billy lord though oh oh my goodness she is going like we are we are we are moments minutes away on the clock from billy ward taking over because she just blew me away that was one of those things where i didn't even realize it was her until after the like when the credits rolled and like it popped up with her photo and like billy lord i was like wait <laughs> what yeah that's carrie fisher's daughter that's the girl who like in the star wars movies they give like two seconds of screen time to like what what and she, yeah she's great in that movie i mean it's uh, it's also like i feel like this is a reoccurring theme with the comedies on the list this list but it's a clever one too mm-hmm. um it's got it takes like a throwaway joke you know midway through the movie and it brings it back at the end of the movie yes. and m- makes it actually important stuff like that s- scattered throughout the movie but that throwaway yeah. joke is also hilarious yeah i mean any all pretty much all of the jokes in this movie land in some degree or another i don't there there was maybe like one or two that didn't land for me but you know (laughs) the panda that's always that actually landed pretty well for me (laughs) but but all the you know every comedy is going to have something like that Mm -hmm. it's all subjective so um i think this did a really great job of uh landing those punches for me yeah and speaking of punches let's move on to number four john wick Chapter three, yes. Parabellum. Uh, it is Josh's number eight. Colton is number six. My number four. Woo! <laughs> I mean, what a movie. I was just talking about it earlier today with uh, my brother-in-law who was waiting to see it until it comes out on uh, Blu-ray. He's like, is it good? I'm like, it's incredible. The action is nonstop. It's some of the best that I've ever seen. Right. It's, it's some of the best of the series, yeah. some of the best of the year, some of the best of the genre. Um, and I mean, yeah, Keanu kills it literally figuratively any sense of the way um i think the only criticism that i think this movie is rightfully lobbied is the story is not the strength um and maybe a little too complicated a little too drawn out but when you have the action when you have Halle berry joining and her dogs kicking butt or in most cases biting you know crotches um (laughs) it's it's such a good time and everybody is hanging it up and going insane and mark DeCascos, wow he really impressed me, and John Wick 3. If you haven't seen it, go see it, but also just watch the whole trilogy because they're fantastic. It's true. It is fantastic. Like, the Halle Berry and her dogs steal mm. the movie because once you just finish that, you're like, how could this get any better? And then John Wick goes ballistic, and you're like, okay, this is this is getting even better. And then like we, we lead up, and the thing just you know explodes into John Wickness all over. Yeah. But that dog scene and the the practicality and the brutality that you feel like you, you left, you left just covering your crotch because you were just, you did not want your balls bitten off randomly in a drive by or something like that. That's how, that's how afraid it made me. And I just can't wait to see. I hope she returns and John Wick forever, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10. Like I, please. Yeah. I mean, they're doing matrix four. So just like have, Matrix 4 end with like Keanu Reeves being multiplied and cloned in John Wick forms. So we just get an endless supply of them for all eternity. That's what we need. Be perfect. I thought this was going to be the last one in the series, but I was pleasantly surprised. <laughs> um, yeah, just like it's just 
nonstop action. I mean, there's like little spurts here and there um, that are drawn out. But, um, you know, right from the get go, you're thrown into just some tremendous action scenes. And then you get the dog sequence, which is just filmed incredibly well, like the editing and everything. It makes it I'm not sure exactly if it's if any of it's one take or not, but it felt like it when you were watching it. Um, Um, Yeah. You would just think the camera would just kind of pan over and you'd see a dog take out someone in the background (laughs) while Halle Berry's like taking ammo off of a guy. Yeah. You know that she just killed. And then, yeah, just like the climax of the movie, too, where like they're all storming, you know, the the Continental is just it's so well done. Yeah. I mean, uh, praises for this. Yeah. I mean, we've mentioned the dogs and I have to just again call out the sequence where the dog jumps off Halle Berry's back, scales the wall, yeah, and kills was... a dude. I'm like, oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I literally, like, hollered in the theater. I was like, that was so good. <laughs> yeah. I think I laughed, but it was yeah, just, out of, like, like, yeah. a, like some, I don't know what to do other than laugh. <laughs> we get some Lance Reddick action in here, too. Yeah. Um, like, him him just barging in to the storeroom, the vault full of weapons, just like, these guns aren't cutting it, like, just so passively throwing it down. They're mm. like, what is this junk? And then <laughs> pulling their armor-piercing 12-gauge shotguns or yeah. whatever they've got. I mean, like, 200, I don't know, those things are powerful. And then just, like, storming out there being like, okay, time to get to business. Yeah, plus you <laughs> got, the villains are, like, unique in that. Wow. Um, you know, they're fans. Right. <laughs> John Wick. <Right. laughs> Which is great I've been waiting too. for this for a long time. Yeah. And you've not disappointed. <laughs> it's oh. Like, oh, man. Yeah, again, the Cascos. So good. Um, let's jump up to our number three. The highly anticipated, I believe it was in our top, I believe it was what, our third most anticipated of the entire year when we did this earlier. Us, Jordan Peele's second directorial movie. Uh, Colin is the highest on this at his number three movie of the year. Colin. Tell us about us, because you weren't here to review it. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> well, uh, the comedy hit really well for me. Um, I thought it was creepy enough, like, to the point of where I wasn't, like, I'm not a big horror guy. And so it was creepy enough for me to, I think, please horror fans while also pleasing the rest of us that didn't want to, that actually wanted to get some sleep at night, that type of thing. Um, Lupita Nyong'o is just absolutely kills it. Winston Duke is hilarious. Um, I mean, my boy Tim Heidecker's in it. You know, I was going to bring him up. <laughs> I forgot. Um, I loved. Uh, I love seeing him in an actual like. I mean, he's been in uh, Hollywood movies before, but to see him actually like take a co-starring role, mm-hmm. I would say, was great to see. Um, just even throughout the movie, as all this stuff's happening, just the family dynamic is still just hits great. There's that great line where they're arguing about who has the highest kill count in the family <laughs> so who should be able to drive um, right. just like all the little like things they sprinkle in like the mystery throughout the movie and then you know the final reveal at the mm-hmm. end is just all it, it's my type of movie how many times have you seen it i actually just watched it again two nights ago mm-hmm. but um i have seen it four times okay. i saw it three in theaters and then yeah just once yeah this is one it. for me it came out at number six and i think it would probably be a little higher if i watched it again because i've only seen it the one time and i know in the review i'm like i can't wait to watch this again because yeah. i feel like i'd have a totally different outlook on the movie and i haven't experienced that yet so it's like i've experienced it the one way but i haven't experienced it the second alternate way that you can experience this movie so it's like i really enjoyed it and i think there's a lot of interesting things to dive into and it's very haunting and creepy and like you mentioned Colton great performances um but yeah it's really just one that like by the end of the year when I probably have seen it again uh, maybe it moves up a little bit what's the alternate way to view this movie I mean like with the like once you know 
the oh, twist. Like, there's yeah. A, yeah, there's a lot of things. Watch it the through that lens. It's like, okay. oh. um, I'm I'm not ready. I to thought say... there was like a way to think about it that would. Well, I mean, oh, I, I've yeah. seen it. I mean, it kind of. It kind of. Yeah. I mean, you pick up on things that you didn't really think were that important before that oh, you're just like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. right, like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, I had it at number seven. Um, but like all the things you guys said, but like when we got to the ending, like I was just like, it was just clawing for more answers mm-hmm. and the significance of the things going on underneath. Mm-hmm. And those came into view after I thought about the film longer and longer and longer. And I'm like, Oh, of course this makes sense. And all that jazz. And now it's another yeah, I mean, viewing. There's plot holes. If you really dive into it, but, but the, what Jordan Peele did there was just like, okay, yeah, this is, this is, this is a conspiratorial horror, but just laced with his style of fun and sick humor. And I love it, mm-hmm. especially just from the, the Peter Nyong'o to everyone else. So, uh, what do you, where would you guys like? Do you guys still agree that Get Out's probably a better film? Yes, I I'm I don't know if I'm ready to say that just yet, but I'm leaning towards that still. That just Get Out's still better, bit, yeah. just a little bit. It's just it feels like it. I think it does a better job of being just like a tighter movie mm-hmm. and get getting like keeping the secret longer because I feel like I don't know. There's just like it's. Us is a lot more straightforward to right. me, and you know, Get Out just seems a little bit more clever. Yeah, I think I think Get Out's a little more clever. It's a little funnier, maybe a little more haunting, but also like you mentioned, a little just a lot yeah. tighter of a movie where it's like it's Peel that knows exactly what he's going to do, and there's no fat on that. Yeah. Film. There I think are, Us yeah. is a little funnier, but that's about it. Get Out, his ideas that. are much clearer too. Yeah, for sure. But uh, let's move on to our number two movie. Toy Story 4, uh, me and Colton are in agreement with this one. Both had it at our number two, so it's coming in here at number two for us. Great. I'm total agreement. Um, it's only Josh had number four. I, Why do you hate this movie? Still top five. So. <laughs> you can, if you look at my know, you looked at my list, you would see basically my number one and my number two, and then I think like Colton and Cooper's be. number one and number two, <laughs> yeah. and like they're 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 war. I'm at war with myself in a lot of these ways. <laughs> but Toy Story Four, I mean, absolutely deserves that spot right where it is because it's it's amazing. Like you, I just when you think Toy Story can't punch you in the face emotionally pixar can't you know one up themselves or at least get back to that level where you thought they've you know just released this the next level Mm -hmm. they just get there effortlessly and you're like whoa whoa, what (laughs) (laughs) and toy story 4 not only is hilarious but it also finds new ways to make you feel like warm but also run you over with a mac truck break your heart and all of your bones and but this one was different in the way that it was validating on all levels mm-hmm. and there was no real chaos or evil at it. And I loved that idea. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's now after the fact, like the perfect ending to this story that we've seen since, you know, what, 99, 2000, when, when the first one caught 99, 95, that was 95. Um, the first one. and it's just, it's, it's just remarkable. I mean, it, for a movie to hit you emotionally, like it hit hit like this movie hit me at the very end. It's it's like that. The second I saw, it, I was like, "Well, that's gonna be super high on my list for the foreseeable future." Like it'll take a heck of some other movies to top this one, and it's just it just does everything I think you could want, and it. But also it it shows that like you know marketing, which was not strong for this movie, sometimes that's because they they just they can't figure it out somehow. And but this movie is actually incredible. But also. 
the big question with this movie was, do we really need more Toy Story? Toy Story 3 was a good ending. It was what exactly what we wanted. And then I was like, no, it wasn't. This is the true ending to this. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that, but I needed it. And for that reason, it's like, I mean, yeah, hats off to Pixar for, again, emotionally wrecking me when I was mm-hmm. not expecting it. I'm just so happy this was not a cash grab. <laughs> I mean, also just like, I mean, sh- sure, they don't bring you like Buzz and the other characters as mm-hmm. much as you might like, which was kind of disappointing in a way. But at the same time, they kind of ease that disappointment by bringing in all new characters that are just great. Like Keanu Reeves, is, mm-hmm. Duke Kaboom is fantastic. Uh, Key and Peele yeah, as Ducky, uh, and Ducky and Bunny, just fantastic. In the I can't remember who voices the villain. Is that Annie uh, Potts? Christina? Or no, uh, Annie Potts is. Uh, yeah, she's the the, is, the doll, not Barbie. She's uh, <laughs> uh she's Bo Peep. Bo Peep, yeah. yeah Christina no. Hendricks voices the doll. Yeah, but, so even that, just as a villain, like you know, the ventriloquist dolls are you know scary, and mm-hmm. they they poke fun at that too with Tony Hale and Forky, but. <laughs> You know, yeah, just because he could be an annoying character, but he really wasn't. He was funny, you know. But yeah, the villain, just the way they kind of make them to actually kind of like the villain has a a twist on it. Right. The villain itself has a earned, believable, Mm -hmm. like somewhat emotional arc to it. And you're like, whoa, great character arc. Yeah. It's a pure motive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Wait a minute. (laughs) They're just it's just kind of presented in like a somewhat creepy way to where you're right. like, Oh boy, stay away from them. You know, type right. Thing. Cause it's like, it makes sense. It's like, Oh, I want to take Woody's voice box. You're like, wow, that's a little evil of you. And you're like, <laughs> Oh, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. Like this isn't a lotso hug and bear situation where it's like, I'm going to lock you up and torment you. <laughs> it's like, no, I'll like, leave you to get burned. At right. <laughs> like, no, this one, like this villain makes sense, has real motives. And it's uh yeah, I think that's an, another added reason why, this one is really close if it's not there to being the best of the franchise because it's like it probably mm-hmm. has its best villain. And they have a knack for like coming out just at that moment in your life where, you know, it affects you emotionally mm-hmm. because that's kind of what you're dealing with. Like whether it be like, you know, friends moving away that you've known for your whole life um, and just kind of being like, go off and do yep. your own thing. You know, I'll, I'll always be there as your friend. You know, it's just, yeah. Just and like uh, I said, emotionally resonating. Gonna cry it's there right at number now. Number two, you know, <laughs> beautiful. Um, but let's move on to our number one. Um, I'm I'm just honestly I'm not surprised. Obviously, that's movies are number one because it's my number one. It's Colton's number one. It's Avengers Endgame. But I'm just thrilled at the moment that Josh had his number three. Oh Ooh. yeah, I love this movie. Which dude. I'm just like ah, oh, good. <laughs> I love endings. I was I was <laughs> <laughs> I was just expecting like because what you have like Infinity War like. 10 or 9 I just remember ah Josh dude last year had plenty of good movies I know I know it was more just like okay I was expecting to get the list it's like alright it's gonna be borderline top 10 but number 3 this is incredible (laughs) Josh has turned over a new leaf (laughs) he likes an MCU movie you just text him back immediately like you're not allowed to (laughs) yeah it's like I am I am yeah if he would have had any lower but no (laughs) there's a yeah there's a threshold that I can't like bump it down lower it's gotta be a minimum you can go up but you can't go down listen 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 I'll see the floor here in a minute but I'll say this I'll say this Um, Endgame is great for like three reasons other than being like you know pure Marvel madness number one number two it just like it had an actual plot to run through like a story that like you're like, yes, this needs to be done and said, and I, I see where we're going. I see the end. The end made sense, and it had heart into it, and we got to the end of it, and then all of a sudden, that was it. There was no more like, wink, 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 guess what you need to know now? And I'm like, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. I felt 
the gravity of the MCU for like the second or third time. The Avengers was the first time. This was me feeling that again in the most powerful ways. And that's why like it's going to stay high in my head because of that. Yeah, they really, I loved the way they played with nostalgia too. Um, They brought it in, made it a part of the story. Uh, They really, they really honestly did callbacks for like anything you could think of throughout the whole MCU. And that's what I appreciated the most about it, honestly. I'll let you uh, <laughs> go. I mean, go to I've, town. I've I've already spoken about this movie. It seems like I mean, we did like an hour and a half on this movie when mm-hmm. just as the review when it first came out. So I mean, um, I think I've seen it seven times now. Um, six in theaters, one since VOD, um, and it's just I mean, every every single time it still just amazes me how quickly it all goes by. Um, I'm never ever bored by it, and it just it flies through. It has a great structure to it but also the payoff the nostalgia and then you know it seems like every single time i watch this i'm still by the end when we're getting either reunions or goodbyes to people i'm feeling it but then the thing that always gets me no matter what whether i could watch it in silence and just with the score or just see the visuals of it alone and it gets me i get chills every time is the portal sequence is just top notch it's a celebration of the mcu where it started where it has uh, come to alan Silvestri's score in that moment is oscar worthy um it is just impeccable filmmaking it's an incredible moment one of the best of the mcu and for the film as itself it's all those same things hearing the wakanda soldiers um giving their their, their yeah their 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 (laughs) battle chant like that sends shivers down my spine every time in particularly in that moment where you're just like oh, this is what they were, like, born to do, was, like, defeat evil at their doorstep. And it's, like, <laughs> amazing. But there's also just, like, so much, like, subtlety where it's, like, you know, we're getting all these people coming back and we get a quick cut to Cap. I believe it happens right after Spider-Man enters back into the full picture. And he just gives this, like, like shake of his head. Like, yes, like, it happened. Like, we did this. And then it cuts to Thanos. So he's just, like, kind of looking around. It's like, uh, um, what, what? <laughs> I wasn't expecting this. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, like he's now, he is, he's scared. And like, we get cap holding meal there. Like there's, oh, just mm-hmm. so much about this movie. That is, uh, incredible. It's a lot of fan service, but it, it's like not in a negative way. Right. It feels, it, 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 it's all, it feels it's all like earned. it's earned and it, and like, it actually has a place in the plot, but it also pleases everyone. It's yeah. just, it's so, I can't imagine like a more, perfect way to handle this movie mm-hmm. than what they yeah. did and then like i know it's like the ending and like that's what you like about it but there's also just really great clues of where we can go next where we're going to go next with mcu with valkyrie becoming the queen of asgard thor going off with the guardians for a little bit falcon becoming captain america all of these things um captain is happy ending it's just all it's great it's fantastic and like you meant i i can't think of a better way for this yeah. movie to have closed out the first 11 years of the MCU and the Infinity Saga than what we got. And so the Russo brothers, um, it's 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 just an incredible job by them. And um, that's our list. That's our consensus friends and film top 15 movies of 2019. Um, just to quickly run through each of our lists individually because there are movies that we had in our top 15s that we submitted that were not mentioned here. Um, my uh, the one The ones that did not make the cut for me I had Captain Marvel at 15. Um, I had Wild Rose at 13, which is a really good movie uh, with Jesse Buckley giving a really good lead performance there and has really good music as well. Ready or Not, which is the most recent movie I've seen, but really just 
what just kind of floored me and it's just such a good inventive time at the theater um and then i blinded by the lights the other one i had at number nine and it's i'm not a bruce springsteen guy never listened to his music before but this movie it doesn't ma- it doesn't matter this is a coming of age tale about accepting yourself standing up for who you are what you believe in achieving your dreams um a lot of different themes but also packing in socially relevant commentary to what we're dealing with now with the political climates and um racism and all these different things and it's just like wow like they're throwing everything in here but none of it feels unearned or just for the sake of it it's all purposeful for the movie and uh so if you have a chance to go see blind by light please go do so Josh, you want to run through your one yeah, through fifteen real quick? Absolutely. Um, from start just, to finish, or just the ones that you know, oh, we yeah, haven't yeah, talked yeah, about absolutely. yet? Absolutely. Um, well, we, we, we talked about it on the pod just a while ago. But crawl. I the more that movie stays in my mind, like the more I really, really, really enjoy it. Um, it's good. Alexander Aha, uh, fantastic. Barry Pepper, great. The star. Caius Scodelari. Caius Scodelari. Thank you, Cooper. You're um, welcome. I was getting to it, but <laughs> it was great as well. Um, but also, I Am Mother. It's Netflix original. Um, Sci-Fi stars Hilary Swank and a newcomer, I believe, by the name of Clara Haggard. Don't crucify <laughs> me if I got that wrong. But um, it's it's really good. It's super sci-fi and um, small. But lots of ideas wrapped up in it and totally love it. But I really just want to talk about High Flying Bird because it's Steven Somber's second film, which is all shot on um, iPhone, mm-hmm. iPhone 10, I believe, this time around. But um, I just super enjoyed like the ideas it's playing with. Andre Holland at the star of it is like this NBA wheeling and dealing agent um, where, where it's like a heist, but it's like all about his plan and entrepreneurship and the way he's getting around fighting the power and um, like NBA owners and all sorts of things like that. And I'm all about that. I love it. Zazie Beetz is in there. Um, she's terrific. And Kyle McLaughlin shows up to be like a douchey NBA owner and like <laughs> he, he kills it. And so I really enjoyed it. I love the NBA and sports. So that's why it has to get in there. Yeah. Uh, Colin, you want to mention yeah. any that we have um, not already gone through that are on your list? Did we under the silver lake was mentioned right um maybe briefly yeah i don't know if we actually talked about it um i think it was in the top 15 though it's um, yes it was our 13 because yeah you and josh both yeah. had at 14 well i just want to say it's really engaging mystery um check it out it's weird but it's it's on it's amazon a, prime right now <laughs> super yeah. weird um actually yes. is it i believe okay. so i think i actually like, paid to rent it or something oh. so yeah but uh yeah I'd say um, if you're really into filmmaking, I would check it out or just like, you know, like the independent type movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely give that one a watch. Um, and then I think the only other one I had was Good Boys. Yeah. Which uh, that came in at number nine for mm-hmm. me. It's actually a movie I had no plans of seeing. I thought it just looked like raunchy for the sake of raunchy. I didn't really want to check it out. Cooper was just kind of like, you want to go? And I was like, sure, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, ended up really, really enjoying it. Um, it's the, probably the hardest I've laughed at a movie all year, and that's why it made it at number nine. So it just it stuck with me. It's one I can see going back and rewatching. You know, yeah, someone called it live action South Park, and I can't agree with that more. <laughs> oh, that's a really good uh, comparison there. Uh, so I guess I will run through our fifteen consensus now that we've 
reconfigure our numbers after the Spider-Man debacle. Um, real quick here. Good at, job, Sony. <laughs> which I believe... I knew it was all their fault. Um, so let me see. What was our 15? Because now it looks like we have... I thought it oh, was Peanut Butter Falcon, wasn't it? Oh, it yeah, was, but it got bumped got, up because oh. of uh, Josh's reconfigures. So it looks like our number 15 is now a three-way tie between Blinded by the Light, Pet Cemetery, and Good Boys. Uh, our number... Uh, thir- our number fourteen is Peanut Butter Falcon. Our number fourteen, is- our number thirteen is Under the Silver Lake. Our number twelve is Rocket Man. Number eleven is Midsummer. Number ten, Long Shot. Number nine, How to Train Your Dragon: The Hidden World. Number eight, Shazam. Number uh seven is Booksmart. Number six is John Wick. Three. Number five, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Number four, Us. Number three. Spider-Man Far From Home, number two, Toy Story 4, and number one, Avengers Endgame. So quickly here, because we've already gone long, we have a long news section afterwards, which Colton will not be around for. But uh, as a year so far, are you guys pleased with the year? Is it mediocre or, you know, like, what are your thoughts overall now that we've kind of run through our best of the year so far? Meh. Okay. Yeah, same here. I had really high expectations coming into the year. I think, uh, you know, top six or so or like lived up to it mm-hmm. but um i expected like other ones i, I expected some other movies that i wasn't expect because there's always you get those that you're not expecting mm-hmm. but they kind of come out of nowhere there were a couple of them this year i'll give it that but like not so much as in years past i think 2018 definitely had more like it, eighth grade came out last year uh won't you be my neighbor movies that just weren't on my radar at the beginning um that like you know easily you know top five quality mm-hmm. movies uh, that I don't really see this year. Um, so I would say meh overall. I think there's a chance to get that up there. I just, going into the year, I had just s- yeah crazy high expectations. I think that's what's really um, affecting I mean, the, my the, opinion the on The that. lineup of movies that like I see here, I'm like, oh, like three good MCU movies, a great Toy Story movie, great John Wick movie, great How to Train Dragon movie, a great DC movie, great Quentin Tarantino movie. Like, There's a lot of things. Like, oh, these are like really high quality. But as... As a year as a whole, I'm like, yeah, it, I mean, it's, think, been, it's been good. Think about 2017, But too. there's been, like, maybe yeah. five movies. I'm just like, whoa. That blew me away. Yeah. Right. So, um, hopefully that changes as the year goes on. We'll get into the movies we're most looking forward to as the for the rest of the year in our big questions week on Wednesday, which Colton will be back for. In the meantime, Colton, since you're not here for the news section, mm-hmm. do you want to tell people where they can find you online real quick? <laughs> I'm at uh at Believe in Blue eighty eight. I am under what is my name in there? I, I think, think it's Bonesaw McGraw. I think it's still, still Bonesaw McGraw. <laughs> so. I think I'm gonna hold to that. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't I don't tweet too often. But you know, um, if you want to if you like Colin's opinions on movies, give him a follow. Maybe. I've actually there's been some tragic news in my life as of last I, night. I, so I was I was worried about off you. Of social <laughs> Wasn't media. gonna say it. <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna. I mean, you can find me on there. <laughs> give me a follow if you'd like. That's cool. I'll follow back more than likely, but. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, there you go. So uh, that's all we have for this main section of our top 15 of the year so far. We'll be right back in a bit with the news.
and we're back with the news. And as always, we we'll start with our three main topics this week. There's no other main topic besides this one. Spider-Man, as of right now, has left the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Josh, <gasps> what? What is going I'm on? I'm crestfallen. I, I, <laughs> sk- sk- the, the, have you seen the Jeff Goldblum <laughs> react to this? Yes, I have. <laughs> Beautiful. That is nuts, though. Um, not something I saw coming. Uh, no, I don't think anybody. I think you like if anybody predicted this or Andrew Luck suddenly retiring from the NFL. Oh my gosh. Um, they must be clairvoyant because the, those two things are like the most shocking pieces of news. I think of the entire year. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, like the Andrew Luck thing is like somewhat like poetical, I guess. Like, you know, I'm not poetical, but like you could like somewhat be like, sure, yeah, that makes maybe sense. Maybe his season's not going to go through, but like, yeah, that makes sense. This, the Spider-Man thing, like I had been nestled into a lull of insecurity, not insecurity, but like security of like, oh, they'll get something figured out or maybe they've already got it right. figured well, out. Right, it was, well, it was so confusing because for the longest time it was... The understanding that, okay, the deal, the, the first deal that Sony and Marvel made in 2015 was for one solo film and one team-up film. That was Spider-Man Homecoming and Captain America Civil War. That deal was then extended to do Far From Home and Spider-Man's appearances in the two Avengers films. So we knew that Far From Home was technically the end of this deal. But then there were reports earlier this year that, well, if Spider-Man Far From Home hits a billion dollars at the box office, it automatically means that Marvel is going to be involved in the third one, mm-hmm. no matter what. And says, okay, it hit a billion. Great. We're, we're going there. With, we're, we're sticking with it. But even if that wasn't the case, it still just didn't make th- – there was no, like, reports of ill will between the studios or, like, anything, like, going wrong behind the scenes. But uh, maybe this isn't going to work out. Right. So then to hear Deadline drop on what it was Tuesday, I think, of this past week, mm-hmm. Spider-Man out, Marvel Studios no longer involved, negotiations between Disney and Sony have broken down because at that time, Deadline said – that Disney wanted a 50-50 split to co-finance and split the profits of all future Spider-Man movies that Kevin Feige was involved in, which could include not just solo Spider-Man movies, but also Venom or other spin-offs potentially. Yeah, anything he's got his fingers and paws in. Right, but as of right now, for the last five movies, um, the deal has been operating where uh, Marvel Studios gets a 5% first day gross. So they only get 5% of the very first day that whatever new Spider-Man movie is out in theaters, that's what they get. They get mm-hmm. nothing else besides merchandising rights, which is you know lucrative in and of itself, but it's not the box office profits that a billion-dollar movie gets. Right. So when this all comes out, I mean, what was your initial thought? Were you Because the lines were very quickly drawn online if you were either Team Disney or Team Sony, and who messed this up? Yeah, yeah. I well, I, I initially was like, just everybody calm down, <laughs> all right. And I, I, I'm still there too. But like, I'm like, this is just total pop. Like, you know, negotiating out in the open. That that's that's where I was Tuesday night. And so everyone getting up in arms and blaming Sony or blaming Disney. I'm like, they're just playing hardball here. And Sony's a smaller studio. And I'm so I'm always and so like I was just like, all right. So Sony leaked this that Disney wants you know, half now. Mm-hmm. And that's them just trying to punch, punch up or whatever the case is. And so that's where I landed, but Oh boy. Yeah. There were things being said on all sides <laughs> that I was just kind of like, all right guys, let's not go too far here. And then it was followed up with a, but whatever, but yeah, that's where I was. Where were you Cooper? Uh, this day of MCU <laughs> infamy. I, I was in total disbelief that this was the stage we were at and I was it was really difficult for me to figure out who was to blame at first. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, 
is this Sony being too greedy to be like, no, we're not going to give anything more than 5% first day gross. You can't have anything else, Disney. It's like, oh, I mean, seems like, you know, Marvel Studios deserves at least a little bit more than that. Uh, but also then, you know, you read the reports that they wanted a 50-50 split. And you're like, well, I get that from Sony's perspective to turn that down because Spider-Man's their, their moneymaker. It is their, their one mm-hmm. big IP. You can't turn away half that profit just to keep him around, like, and to keep Marvel Studios around because Venom made $825 million worldwide. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse uh, won an Oscar. Like, you know, they are, quote-unquote, on the upswing at Sony, whether that was, you know, on purpose or they kind of lucked into the success of Venom. Mm-hmm. I'm not totally sure. But I I understood it from both sides where Disney obviously would want Marvel Studios and Kevin Feige to receive more credit right. for what the work they're doing. Meanwhile, Sony doesn't want to give up half of their biggest franchise just to keep Marvel Studios around when they theoretically think they've learned all they need to know from Marvel Studios and now can do this on their own. Yeah. Now, break it down for me real quick here. This deal happened so long ago. Yes. 2014 is... 2015 is when it happened. That's right. February 2015? Something like that, yeah, because Marvel announced their Phase 3 slate in October 2014. And then a couple months later, this was reported at like 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then within like a couple of months, Tom Holland was cast. And then within two days or something of him being cast, he's on set filming Civil War, which is nuts. And so that that initial deal did not give Marvel produced and wrote the movies, but Sony financed the entirety, correct? Yeah, so basically the initial deal and how it's been throughout these, the the five movies that Spider-Man has been in with the MCU is Mm -hmm. whoever makes the movie they get all the profits and they finance the whole thing. Got it. Me, but even in the Sony ones, Marvel Studios and Kev Feige were basically creating the movie, hiring all the people. Sony just had to, you know, put up the money to make right. it happen. Yeah. So, so this is like a price. This is like a price tag on Kevin Feige, basically. And <laughs> at this point, Sony is more just like, no, we're not going to give up half of our biggest franchise just to keep Feige around. And even though I think that's ultimately not the move I would do because mm-hmm. I think Feige, the MCU brand has revitalized Spider-Man on the big screen. When this was first announced and after, you know, the amazing Spider-Man two, a lot of people are like, ah, do we really know Spider-Man <laughs> this, this soon? It's like, we just had Garfield. Mm-hmm. He was just rebooted. Like at that point, like three or four years ago, right? Like we don't need another one, especially not another young version, which we already saw. Mm-hmm. So, to now have this point where in 2019 everybody's like Spider-Man is my favorite MCU character. I can wait to see what happens next, especially after everything happened in Spider-Man Far From Home. Like, oh, he's set up to be the new face. And I was like, well, that face is gone. Yeah. And that's just insane to me. And, you know, after this all came out, you know, there were reports that, you know, Sony wanted to do, was already planning to make two more movies starring Tom Holland that would also potentially have John Watts direct. Now, since that point has come out, uh, there have been reports that John Watts is probably not going to direct those movies because now Marvel Studios and Feige are recruiting him to do other things potentially. <laughs> then also Sony has brought back the writers of Far From Home to develop the script for Spider-Man 3. So they're like moving forward on this, which you know then Sony put out a public statement to THR, tweeted out, did all this stuff, basically pointing the finger at Disney saying, you know, this is their fault, basically. Also, Kevin Feige's too busy to work on stuff they don't own, which is a ludicrous notion, I think, to throw out there. It makes sense, I guess, on paper, but mm-hmm. 
Kevin Feige's never too busy to work on Spider-Man. Like, his, it's, it's his guy, right? He, yeah, it's his favorite character. He loves Stanley. He loves Spider-Man. Like, getting Spider-Man into the MCU is probably, throughout all the success that Marvel Studios has had, like, his biggest achievement. Because right. a multi-studio deal to share a character, to share this big property, is unprecedented. And, like, we see why now. Like, you know, Kevin Feige's saying... You know, it was never going to last forever. We knew it was going to last for a finite amount of time. We told a story we wanted to tell. Baloney, Kevin. I'm sorry. I love you. <laughs> You've done a lot of great movies, but there's no way Spider-Man Far From Home was your intended endpoint to Spider-Man's arc in the MCU. That, just doesn't, that does not line up. He is launched into a brand new arc, heavily tied in the MCU. Yeah. And that's where now I'm just like, okay, there are reports that say negotiations are still taking place. And since all this has come out, like you mentioned, this is all kind of public negotiations right. through the press. Like, think about Kevin Feige's um, his quote. It's so specific. Yeah. It's like, well, we told one five story arc with this when he's character, like, oh, I, and I mean, no deals are meant to last forever. Like, that's why you get new. Like, this is nothing new. Are you going to say we're moving forward now, or like right. that we have no future plans for him? Well, and anything? it's like you know, people were like burning the like burning Feige for like or criticizing him for like that statement. And then also criticizing Tom Holland for basically saying like, hey, you know, I've had the, had a great time these last five years, mm-hmm. you know, playing Spider-Man. I'm not going to stop playing him now. I'm going to play him again. People are like, ah, Holland, what are you doing? Say, screw you, Sony. I'm only going to be in these movies if it's an MCU movie. No, he's not going to burn that bridge with Sony. I mean, he has an Uncharted movie, maybe, on in the works. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, they are, at this point, all these reports have been saying that the deal initially has been, you know, all these talks have been ongoing for months and that Marvel studios put out an offer and then Sony kind of sat on it for a while. And then yeah. because of all that, it got elevated to top brass at Sony pictures and, and Walt Disney. So then like, you know, Alan Horn and the head of Sony are like discussing this deal, not Kevin Feige and like whoever else at Sony, like mm-hmm. this has been elevated above Feige's pay grade and definitely above Holland's pay grade. Oh, yeah. So all they can do is play the PR game. Exactly. And like, listen, remember this folks, if anything weird or dumb is going on at Marvel and Disney, like Alan Horn is involved in somehow yeah. in some way, okay? Like I, you mean I don't want to like belabor the point that this guy is just like the the corporate overlord here, but he, like you know Kevin Feige's not do, like you said he's not doing any of these things. Alan Horn, director Iyer there okay <laughs> so that I mean, that's where it should all really go but and then if you read um i don't know if you did you read the piece in the washington post i did not okay yeah this one really gets to the gets to the 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 ideological core of this thing okay supposedly um it goes on about how sony and rothman have grown resentful of the credits and the fame and prestige disney marvel and feige are all kind of coalescing mm-hmm. and Ven- venom's success you if you will the box office has given them enough confidence to say screw them this is about us and what we can do and that's sort of an undergirding thing and it's sourced by executives and everything like that around the industry and so you could take that with a grain of salt rather than you know the direct sony executives Mm -hmm. but there's that undergirding thing too about you know uh reputation respect and you know um pride i suppose right of course it's part of it and like that obviously makes sense because we're playing with the top executives of two major studios in hollywood they have massive egos they want all this money for themselves um or at least as much as possible yeah and so like and i get it because like when you talk about 
when I talk about how great homecoming is or how great far from home is, I'm not saying, you know, Tom Rothman and Amy Pascal really knocked it out of the park with that one. I'm mm-hmm. saying it's all Kevin Feige and the brain trust of Marvel Studios. But I also honestly believe that like you look at like where they were going, like these are not the people who suddenly infuse, mm-hmm. you know, Spider-Man with all this energy it was right. Marvel Studios, the MCU, you know, rebooting the character in a way that was fresh and new and got people excited again. This all just screams again, public negotiations to me because as the days have gone on, mm-hmm. every new report, it seems like is offering up a different tidbit of information. Right. And that's specifically the number of what is going down. Exactly. Initially it's 50, 50. Um, then this post the, report said 30%, I think. Okay. And then you had something new. Yeah. You tweeted out last night or the night yeah, before. 30. Uh, so I didn't know Washington also said 30 THR shared. It was 30%. Okay. Um, when they put out a post on Wednesday, then the next day on Thursday, variety shared that, um, Sony was willing to give up as much as 25% mm-hmm. to keep Kevin Feige around. They were happy to do it. And then the next day on Friday, Deadline updates their post and it says, oh, you know, actually, you know, that's what Kevin Feige and Marvel originally wanted was 25%. <laughs> and I'm just like, and he's like, but Sony sat on the offer for months and didn't do anything. So then Disney's top executives basically forced their hand and be like, well, if you're not going to respond to this, here's 50-50. That's what we want now. And like basically knowing that it's going to cause us a split, which like that does not make any sense to me if you're Disney. Like just talk to Sony and be like, listen, we, we're we only trying to get 25%, which yeah. is still when, we, when you're talking about these movies is a lot of money. Like, you know, let's say Spider-Man Far From Home grosses you know it's made a billion dollars but let's say after budgets and marketing and all that stuff mm-hmm. it only brings sony 200 million dollars in profit which is a really good movie especially after you know the year that sony's had and a lot of its studios have had where you know these major blockbusters have been failing but now you're talking about instead of having a 200 million dollar profit mm-hmm. you're only getting 150 million dollars and now disney's getting extra 50 just for the work yeah but i also think that made that like that is a fair deal and that's the deal. If I'm Sony, if I'm Marvel, if I'm Disney, if I'm whoever, I'm just like, guys, like we're literally doing all of the legwork to get these movies going. Like we're doing the story. We're doing the casting. We're doing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's our crews. It's all, it's all of our people. Right. Why can't we get more than 5% of the first day gross? Like that, just, that seems insane to me, mm-hmm. but that's also why, like when this first deal was originally negotiated, it wasn't involving Sony top execs and the the heads of Walt Disney. It was between like Marvel Studios and like I think like Amy Pascal were the people like negotiating. Like I think KHR said it was like a five page deal. Like yeah. that's how long the contract was, which is incredibly like tiny. <laughs> I didn't know you, know you could get legal language to fit on a paper that small. Right. It was basically it was probably just more like the first page was just like you know introductory stuff of just like here's who's involved, and mm-hmm. second page is like, here's what we want, and then page three is like Sony signatures, page four is Marvel Studios signatures, and like page five is like some other like random thing. Oh, yeah, you know, uh, double-spaced as well, right. <laughs> so, you know, it's not all crammed on there, and, you know, getting all the getting all the paperwork in inches space. Um, but yeah, and like, you know, I don't know if I buy that backstory where like, oh, Disney didn't want that much initially like that sounds like it may have gone in reverse order where, you know <laughs> where they mean? started with 50 and they started with 50 to 25 and then dropped 25 i mean like who, who negotiates backwards like that you I, know what I mean? yeah that's what like and that's what it makes more sense like if this is all public negotiations you know let's say the first deadline report was leaked by sony and mm-hmm. sony says 
they went 50-50. And, the mar- and then Sony then also responds to THR and then tells Variety what they wanted, which doesn't really line up. But then, mar- then like, Disney puts it, you know, sets it straight on, you know, with the second deadline article. It's like, no, we actually wanted 25. They sat on it. Then they wanted 50. Either way, I think this is all negotiating because it's not like the number started off at 30. They wanted a 30-70 split, and then mm-hmm. a couple days later, THR was like, no, they actually wanted a 50-50 split or a 70-30 split or whatever. Like, these numbers aren't going up. They're going down, which to me is, like, because us fans and people, like, reporters, or journalists, whatever, you, bloggers, whatever you want to call yourselves, like, they're not the only people who are reading what Variety and THR and Deadline are saying. Like, that's what the top executives in these studios are reading. So if they're now reading, oh, they only won 25%? Oh, interesting. Oh. <laughs> You know, maybe that's what Alan Horn was leaked to a deadline just to mm-hmm. kind of be like, hey, Sony, if you're still interested, because we just saw a variety article that said you would be willing to go up 25%. Right. Here it is. Here's yeah. here's our unofficial offer. Call us, basically. Wink, wink. And I don't know. At this point, I just I, I literally cannot see a way where this doesn't happen. Where we don't get a deal yeah, after it, all this time. It's kind of nuts to mess with success, I think, in so many ways. And because Sony is such a, a publicly traded company, like you... I mean, I mean you, you 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 screw up mm-hmm. on your revenue streams you're going to face shareholder backlash but then also Sony Pictures itself is like a company that's been rumored to be up for sale yeah. like how many times like how many times have I mean no, I'm not sure I'm not that old but like I've read like at least 5 times since this podcast has started <laughs> that Sony Pictures is like it's an open secret that it's for sale right it's basically like it seems like the last like 2 years or so it's been like Apple will probably buy Movie Studio in the next, you know, three to five years mm-hmm. to kind of kick up their own interests and stuff. Right. And Sony's probably their prime target. And like, that's the thing. Like, and that that's the other complicated factor of this because there are some reports that say if Sony is bought by another company, then the rights to Spider-Man automatically revert to Marvel. Yes. So there's the possibility that Disney and Marvel Studios don't have to, you know, like this is not a permanent goodbye. This is more of like a let's see how long you last sort of a thing, and we'll get them back eventually, probably. But there's also the other, like the the flip side of this, where if you are Sony and if you're the owners, the executives there, if you get bought out by another studio, you're probably goners, like because they're going to want to bring their own people in, whatever. But all so like in that time, wouldn't you want to make your like movies as successful and as profitable as? Like you can, especially for CEOs and um, and executives and presidents who have you know back pay based right. off of financial performances but, of those but, movies. But just like just just like in this scenario that we're in right now, as of right now, as of, you know, our recording, Spider Man is out of the MCU, mm-hmm. and Spider Man Three is going to happen outside of the MCU somehow, some way, where you can't reference Tony Stark and the fact that Spider Man's suit is made from Stark tech and that his aunt is was or is dating Happy Hogan, who's Stark's you know, security guard and like, you can't mention any of this stuff or that he's been to space or anything, but like in this current position, Spider-Man three, like if it flops and it's outside the MCU and instead of making another billion, it makes a respectable seven fifty. Okay. But that's just like, you're like that for Sony. That's like, Oh, we just dropped two fifty. whether it's because the MCU wasn't involved or potentially like if we get back to, you know, maybe they just missed the mark. Mm-hmm. With the movie, it's not good. It get, doesn't get good reviews. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's a flop. And now you're in the position of, well, Sony's biggest franchise is now, again, back at square one where we've had another, like, troubled third movie. Right. 
you can't do you then crawl back to Marvel or is it better for you in the long run to keep Marvel around for 25% of the investment of the movie to finance it, to give them 25% of the profits after the fact to have them help you make those movies, make multiple more billion dollar films. And then if the time still comes where you have to sell because Spider-Man is literally the only franchise you can do. Right. Jumanji's tailed off. Men in Black's obviously already dead. Like, all of these franchises are gone, and now Sony just has nothing else but Spider-Man. And, like, if Spider-Man is the, the marquee, that would obviously raise the price of potential bidders to buy your company outright. So, to me, it makes sense to have your company be as successful as possible in whatever potentially limited amount of time you have. Yeah, that's that's interesting too. Like I have not, I did not know about the dynamic about rights reversal, and that, I don't think that's confirmed. That's uh, that's more just like people are saying that because yeah, I don't see any and factual backing that. Spider Man is the golden goose that you have there, right? You, would, you 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 can never sell. You know what I mean? I guess that's the yeah. I guess that's the flip side of that. Like if Spider Man is like your golden goose, and you sell. It doesn't really matter to whoever's buying you if Spider-Man's right to revert, whether the movies have been good or bad recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, I think it could reflect on the executive. So like, if exactly. Tom Rothman wants to keep a job, say Apple buys Sony in, five, in three years, maybe it'd be like, hey, listen, we still made all this stuff work. And maybe you know, we can still work out like a co-financing thing with Marvel moving forward, which they probably wouldn't do because Disney would want all that money for themselves after mm-hmm. the fact. But like, I don't know. I think it would just look better for them to keep making good movies. And I'm not saying that if Spider-Man three comes out and it's not attached to the MCU, that it's an automatic failure. I just have more reservations at this point. Yeah. And I, there's something that I have, I mean, that I really need to get my head around is like, you know, Kevin Feige is basically bought and owned at Disney. Then he's not allowed to freelance. Like that's, that's the kind of thing too, that I'm really sort of perplexed about is that Feige cannot executive produce without Disney taking 25%. Well, I I guess yes and no. I mean, he reportedly had an unofficial hand in Venom right? up to a degree. I don't know when that decision was made to not have that go through. There have been people who've claimed that the first trailer for Venom at one point had a Marvel Studios logo attached to it. Hmm. So maybe there were discussions to make Venom part of the MCU and then they split. And I think that is also a relevant factor of all these negotiations because I don't think we're just talking about will Marvel Studios produce Spider-Man 3? I think we're talking about will Marvel Studios and Ken Feige be involved in Spider-Man 3, Venom 2, Morbius, Silver and Black, Silver Sable and Black Cat, like all these other spinoffs Sony wants to do, you know, is Marvel then taking on those as well? Which I think if you're Sony, you demand right. for that to be the case. That's why there's the details of this deal, like I so want to know. Mm-hmm. Because if they're like saying, okay, well, let's do... 25% mm-hmm. for the next Spider-Man films. Let's say that's Disney's, just one or the next films, the next slate, the next slew, two, three, four, and all of his okay. back and forth, whatever the case is there. And that that's happening. That's what they're doing. That's reasonable. I suppose given the success, whatever the case is, but what if it's more of, well, we need Kevin Feige to basically produce all of the things that we said we're going to go do, mm-hmm. but haven't done yet. Silver and black is in developmental hell. Mm-hmm. Um, Morbius is Morbi- Morbius is done. I mean, it's not like finished editing, but it's done filming. It's gearing up for a release next summer. We don't have a trailer. <laughs> Somehow, you know what I mean? Like all of these things that I, I have questions about, like what, 
I would not be shocked to learn that they wanted to throw it all to them and say, we own these. You can have them. Mm-hmm. Do what you want. But then we still keep that. And that increased the 50% of all those films. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, okay. You know, it'd be interesting, but... What do you... So, like, I think we're both on the same page that, like, at some point, like, within, like... I don't know. I feel like, it, like all this public negotiations, the constant updates we've received, and now the fact that all these talks kind of stopped at D23 when a lot of the executives and stuff are at that convention mm-hmm. doing all these plugs for upcoming movies. And, you know, Tom Holland walks on stage and says, I love you 3000 to the crowd and they go nuts. Um, I feel like we'll have like a definitive answer of either Sony date Spider-Man three for July, 2021 and Marvel Studios is officially not involved. They're shooting it the start of 2020. They're going to be ready to go. Marvel Studios isn't involved or we'll know, in that same time frame that Marvel Studios and Sony have agreed to a new deal, they'll be involved in Spider-Man 3, but, like, do you... Where do you think, like, the deal goes? Is it... Because I, I feel like a deal... The, the right deal for both parts um, would be to do a 25% stake for Disney and Marvel, where they get 25%... Uh, fi- they, they help finance 25% of the movie and then get 25% of the profits back. Then you'd make... You obviously produce Spider-Man 3, but you also do three more movies solo movies with holland so you get six solo films with holland spider-man that then also has options for like let's say like three other mcu movies so you're basically signing holland on for like a 10 film contract and then he can like appear in venom 2 or something as well and in part of that you also have feige taking control of venom and you know morbius isn't technically part of it they see how it does first they're like you know what we had no involvement on this one so right Let's see how it goes. If it's good and people like it, we'll you know retcon it in somehow, some way. But then, like the deal is ultimately that Marvel Studios has to help Sony make one Spider-Man related movie every single year. Mm-hmm. So then we get like four MCU movies a year, one from Sony, and like they help build Sony up from within. Marvel has their own thing, yeah, and they keep Spider-Man, and that's how this all goes forward. I think that makes sense. Yeah, I I, I think there's something like that around the corner. Because I think Sony just wants to... I, I don't think they care enough about this in any way. That, and, but at the same time, maybe they do. Um, like, th- we should all be hopeful because Chris McKenna and Eric Summers are coming back to write. Mm-hmm. They were writers on Homecoming. They wrote Far From Home. Um, and there's continuity yeah. right off the bat. So whatever they develop from now through January, February of next year mm-hmm. before pre-production and launch... Probably going to be in line with what Feige was thinking, what they've already probably talked about. I mean, in so many ways. And so, like you said, everyone came together. There was a there was basically a freeze on all Spider-Man stories related. No one was throwing arrows at each other in the press. That'll either kick up again, mm-hmm. or something will get hashed out. Real, you know, within the next month or two, you know, or maybe it takes till January. Nah, I, th- I think we'll have an answer by. Mm, let's see. We're at the end of August right now. I want to say by like Halloween, but I feel like that's still maybe too quick. I think by Thanksgiving we'll know one way or the other. What's the next Marvel movie we're waiting on? Black, Black Widow, Widow next next March, March. May. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, the MCU has plenty of time to wait for next their new content. But there's also the flip side of this where you know the longer this kind of drags on, it's more of like a well what the heck is happening with Spider-Man? Like we still don't totally know. And, and here's the thing though about that too. 
nothing about the MCU right now is even going to have to deal with that. Right. We have Black Widow, which is in the past. Mm-hmm. We're going to have Eternals, Eternals, which is reportedly like thousands of years ago. So that's definitely nowhere close to Spider-Man. And those are the only two MCU films next year. Yep. And then 2021 is Shang-Chi. Why would they mention Spider-Man? Mm-hmm. Doctor Strange 2. I mean, I guess maybe. New York-centric, possibly. Yeah. And then Thor Love and Thunder, which there's I don't see any way for Spider-Man to appear in that movie unless Taika just really wanted to have a cameo for some reason, <laughs> which would be a blast. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it's we're... almost inconsequential at this point. Like, they could wait for so long. Sure. And that, like that's the thing. Like, they don't have to address this. Um, but there's also... Sony's not going to sit on this to see what Marvel's going to do. They're going to want to get this thing out, mm-hmm. Spider-Man 3, as soon as they can. So I don't think this is a like a thing where Marvel Studios can totally like just sit back and see what Sony does. Like I think they have to be the proactive ones and try to get a deal done, figure out what happens because otherwise like you like that's and that's the thing like the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a whole would probably be fine without Spider-Man. At the end of the day, I would hate it. I would hate to lose him, but he is not really connected to anybody else who's still around now that, you know, Iron Man's gone. Yeah. Uh, but on the opposite end of that spectrum, Spider-Man is intrinsically tied into the MCU and with Iron with Iron Man. So, how does his story move forward without ties to the MCU? Right. That is the that's the question I have. I mean, sure you could do something where it's like, "Oh, you know, uh Craven has arrived in America to take on Spider-Man to find him and kill him." Mhm. And because of that, you know, he's had to change a suit and he's left New York and now he's just like in the mid, he's just like in the Midwest. And you're just like, I mean, okay. Yeah. Spider-Man this, this is, rule Indiana this, or Pennsylvania. This is weird, we but I mean, I guess this is where we're at now. And it's just like, it's completely free. Uh, you don't have to like, but, but like how it would just be so weird to go from a Spider-Man franchise that has all these references to the MCU to, you know, other heroes where like Mysterio pops up, like, oh, it looks like a mixture of Iron Man and Thor and Doctor Strange. Like, now what? Mysterio is just the oh, he's he's that guy. Uh-huh. Oh, and he definitely did not used to work for a, a billionaire Playboy philanthropist. Yeah, I, I like those are questions I still have too. Like, are they still allowed to reference? I don't think so, because that's those are Marvel Studios like things. Yeah, I mean, you know, and so like unless Spider Man three, if it does, like say this deal never gets done. And from this point on, Spider-Man's out of the MCU. Unless Spider-Man 3 opens up with, you know, Peter walking out outside of his front door and falling through a wormhole and opening up in a different universe, the Venomverse, and you're like, uh, okay, <laughs> that's your explanation. Uh, I just don't know how that, I don't know where this goes. Yeah. I mean, but I guess you're, since it would be a sequel to the other two films, it's allowed to reference itself those in those other two films maybe but they, i don't think they i don't think they'd be able to probably legally name drop iron man or any like maybe they could slyly mention you know I, I did go to space that one time you just can't mention and i fought thanos or i died and so did everybody else who i'm yeah. friends with and you, now we're all back <laughs> we can't it, mention that my question is then if you own the rights to spider-man and the characters do you also own the rights to their stories uh, because if you just flip through a comic book and, and Spider-Man says Iron Man. Right. But that's, that's, that's all Marvel. That's not, Sony doesn't own Spider-Man comics. Okay. I would just be interesting to see what those rights deals. Oh, are sure. Like. I mean, I, I just, Dr. Strange gets names dropped in, um, Spider-Man two. Right. But that was like before. Yeah, for sure. All this stuff happened. So 
yeah, it'd be interesting. I really hope we don't have to ever get to that place. We have to figure out how does Spider-Man 3 happen without the MCU? Um, <laughs> we get the Amy Pascal, Tim Rothman, um, Spider-Man Far From Home, and Homecoming cuts. Oh, my gosh. Where they just, like, digitally, like, censor and right. out all the content they don't own anymore. Well, just like, yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know. And that's, I have heard uh, as well, as part of this deal, maybe, you know, Disney's like, because Sony is not in the streaming game, really. Mm-mm. Disney's obviously launching Disney Plus this fall. Um it would make sense if as part of part of a new deal, Disney also said, and we will pay you X amount of money to have the exclusive streaming rights to the Spider-Man movies. And then it's like, I don't know if you want to include the Maguire ones and the Garfield ones, or if you just want to focus on Holland, but either way, I think that's another additive added incentive that you could give Sony to be like, here's an extra $50 million. I don't know if that's high or low for negotiating streaming services deals, but like, Here's an extra fifty per movie, just so we can have it on Disney Plus. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I this is definitely not going to be the last time we talk about this. I imagine. No. Um, so let's move on to um, as sad as the Spider-Man news was. There was almost equally as sad news yeah. that came this week. Um, moments, you know, days later, which also had to deal with Tom Holland, which also was sad for Tom Holland, which was also sad for you and me and the Friends of Hill podcast because we are big fans of Dan Trachtenberg who directed 10 Cloverfield Lane. We've been just waiting for him to, to, to direct a brand new movie and we got the good news earlier this year that he's going to direct Uncharted. It was going to get off the ground. It was going to be great. It was Trachtenberg and Holland together. Mm-hmm. It was his dream. He name dropped it into a Twitch stream. Right, like 10 right? years ago or something. He like, had an interview. He was like, I would love to do an Uncharted movie. This is, this is great. Match made in heaven. I guess not. Because uh, Deadline also revealed this week that Dan Trachtenberg has left Uncharted. Um, and, you know, Trachtenberg has since taken to Twitter to kind of tease, like, you know, this is basically creative differences. Because <laughs> he, he was like, I want to experience Hollywood. And I've always heard about these creative differences thing. And, you know, I finally, <laughs> finally experienced that. So um, this is like the fifth director, I think, to leave Uncharted. And... Yeah. It has a release date. It sounds like Sony's already looking for a replacement. It's, I mean, it's clearly not going to be like John Watts or something because <laughs> he's uh, sounds like he's moving on. But uh-huh. like, is this just a cursed project and not going to happen? Is Holland next? Is he going to leave? Like, where like where are we standing at this? Um, outside of the obvious heartbreak over Dan once again not having an upcoming movie on his slate. Yeah, I I mean th- that's the that's the biggest tragedy of all. It's just that we don't have Dan directing a movie. Like, can you, like, it's been how many years now? Uh, Ten Cloverfield was 2016. So 20? it's been, this is like, we're in year four. We're in year four I mean, now. granted, he did deliver a great pilot for the boys, which is excellent. It's on Amazon Prime. He's involved Prime. in producing it. I believe so. So it, it's not like we have, we've been voidless of him. But the, his filmmaking style is just not, is not evident in the pilot of the boys. I've finally got on that train. We'll see where it goes. But. The A train, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> That was did not even see that coming. I had no clue the what opening? that show was about. Yeah. Oh, the just, opening is wild. That's why I was like, oh, I'm hooked. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like I mean, and so I don't know. I, the project is not cursed. It's just Sony had something very specific. The studio has something so specific in mind, mm-hmm. and anyone that either jumps on it realizes, and eh, this is not worth my time, or oh, that's it. <laughs> everyone yeah. get the gets on board just realizes it's not worth their time but like that i even think someone so talented as dan is i like, mean we've had like no thank you. dan i think david or russell right um there's i don't know there's, i want to say david leach was involved too, i don't i don't, I don't think, think so. so but it's just like 
if, like, if you're another director, like, say you're like, I've heard like Travis Knight's name thrown out there to be like, oh, he'd be like a good choice to do Uncharted. And I agree. But like, if you're Travis Knight, you're looking at Sony's resume with this project and saying, all right, five other guys have all left this project all because of creative differences, it sounds like. Why, <laughs> why am I going to be any different? It sounds like Sony knows exactly what they want. And yeah. if you try to change that in any way, then you're like you have a line drawn in the sand and you can't move forward. So it just seems like one of those movies where I'm just like I don't know what to expect. I just I mean I was excited to see Holland as a you know younger Nathan Drake right and be like okay here he is here he's coming into his own being an adventurer. Um, but I don't know at this point this is like the video game movie adaptation with like the most curses on it. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I hope that if anything, this just means that now Dan can get another project soon. Fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, yeah. come on, Hollywood. He's probably gonna have to. He's probably gonna have to go back to like Bad Robot or something. I mean, like, I mean, I, I, I just don't know what's next for the guy. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, because it, it, it took him so long just to get to Uncharted, where it's now like, like I was hoping, okay, he was gonna do Uncharted. It was gonna be a big launching point for him, and he'd go do some other major franchise next. And now it's just like, well. Just somebody let him do something. Yeah, Netflix. No Netflix, you have billions you spend every year. Call up Dan and just be like, hey, just give us something. Okay? No kidding. Please. I'm sure he's got a project in his back pocket. He's got to. Work to. He's got a few, actually. Uh, there's a sci fi one that I'm sure Netflix could produce. Yeah, I mean, so. they they do tons of sci fi content there. Add Dan Trachtenberg's latest project to your mix, Netflix. That would Come be on. incredible. Um, but we also had, I think, some surprising and surprising in a good way uh news this week that matrix 4 is also happening which was uh again a stunner and it dropped within like a 15 minute time frame of the spider-man news so it was just like a what is going on uh, <laughs> yes. sort of thing but like variety reported that lana wachowski will direct and write matrix 4 with keanu reeves and carrie on moss coming back to star as of right now morpheus is potentially going to be recast as a younger version which i think obviously clues up like where they're going with the story somehow, some way uh, they go back in time to the earlier points in the matrix and meet a young Morpheus, Neo. And uh, I can't think of Carrie Moss's character's name right now. Uh, Trinity. Yes. Um, that's, that's what they do, even though Trinity's also dead. So uh, Neo is technically dead at the end of. Oh yeah. Revolutions too. So I don't, yeah, I don't know where this is going because <laughs> it doesn't really make a lot of sense, mm-hmm. but even still, a new Matrix movie with the original cast back and a young Morpheus played by, it sounds like not Michael B. Jordan, which is a bummer. Um, like, then, like, I, I'm still excited about this. I mean, we mentioned it, I think, in our big questions several months ago at this point that, you know, what franchises could use retconned sequels? And Matrix was one I think I threw out there. It's like, we need to get Keanu back. And right. if he's back now in a true sequel form where now Lana Wachowski can evolve the story forward not have to rush to make two movies back to back after the breakout success of the first movie mm-hmm. then like hopefully we can get something as creative innovative and amazing fingers crossed as the first matrix matrix was yeah absolutely like this is this is nuts um but I mean, it's not nuts keanu reeves is a hot commodity everyone wants a piece of him in some way whether it's video games to the movies to cameos whatever uh-huh. the case is so it, of course, Warner Brothers is finding like he's hot. Let's go get. I mean, you know, literally, figuratively, in the business. Let's go get <laughs> him and make movies with him. 
Because that's what you're supposed to do. They've got a Wachowski back, so yeah. you're you're good to go there. I still think it's weird that Lily's not a part of this. Yeah, like, it, it, it sounds like I heard somebody mention that. Like, I heard creative split. Yeah, or something that, like their that. studio split up. Like, oh, so snap. It's, it's it's not like it's like a oh we're not going to work together. Let's do Matrix movies. Like, we're not going to work together ever for the foreseeable future. Which is again, I don't know what happened with them. Wow. But Cloud uh, Atlas, a story about unity, uh, turns Cloud out Atlas. to be what tore them apart. Yikes. Well, anyway, still crazy. I don't know. Like, yeah, the, the young Morpheus and everyone died technically. And so I have so many questions mm-hmm. about all of that. But Keanu Reeves is going to come back and do Jiu-Jitsu in the Matrix. Yeah. Bring it on. Like, I just recently watched Revolutions uh, earlier this year. Is that the second one or the third one? Third one. Okay. Where it just, like, basically turns into a whole, like, robots attacking fast right. while... Neo's in a train station for some reason? Yeah. I. <laughs> so, like, early this year, I watched the first Matrix again, and I thought I started – I thought I watched the second one. And so, like, after this news broke, I popped in three, and I was like, none of this makes any sense to me. <laughs> it doesn't did make I, any- Did I watch two? And then I, I checked through, like, my check-ins and stuff, and I was like, nope. <laughs> I'll, I need to watch that. And so I – but I'm only, like, 15 minutes into the second one. Mm-hmm. So I, there's still a lot that I don't totally recall, and – probably won't make sense anyways yeah even if you watch the if you go from two to three it's just like wait what's happening here yeah so many questions the oracle's missing or something and yeah counters in a train station (laughs) recast egregiously and yeah anyway though i will definitely get on board for this yeah and i think it uh i don't remember if it already has a release date i don't think it does um but either way matrix 4 is on the way and that's very exciting so let's move on to ticker skip here we'll kind of run through a little quickly because you know we don't have a lot of time left but uh we had the first trailer for underwater two trailers for marriage story the first trailer for antlers the second trailer for rambo last blood the first trailer for bombshell the first trailer for the report the first trailer for motherless brooklyn the first trailer for lady and the tramp and the first trailer for el camino the breaking bad movie whoa Lots. Lots. And we only have one ticket to give out each, Josh. And I'm going to give it to the report. Okay. Um, the, the, I need to give two tickets out to Marriage Story to get that <laughs> for each of those trailers because they're so well done. But it just looks fantastic. I am I, I love Zero Dark Thirty with my whole heart and Jessica Chastain's performance in it. But also, it, it gets a lot of things wrong. <laughs> like, and Catherine Bigelow should be, you know, I mean, I don't know. Wrong things, but the report is going to rectify all that. Adam Driver is incredible in it. That it already in the early moments, so many gifs. I'm ready for it. Give me the report right now. Yeah, I am in agreement with you. The report really blew me away. I mean, I we'd heard the reactions, or at least I had, um, yes. from early festivals. I was like, okay, an Adam Driver, you know, journalism movie sounds great. Like Spotlight was one of my favorite movies of what 2015, yes. Um, and that movie really impressed me. And so, like, the report's right up my alley. And so, I was happy to see that this trailer really knocked it out of the park. If there was a runner up for me, it'd probably be Marriage Story, yeah. Just give a, a double dose of Driver, yeah. but Adam Driver's yeah. just running around being driver, happy. And... Scar, Scar Joe, Noah Baumbach directing, like. Laura Dern somewhere hiding in the background. I can't wait for that either. It's going to be on Netflix too. Yeah. Also, real quick, Bombshell, that trailer, I don't know. I I was not impressed by that one. You have to know everything to understand the tension. And I was like, okay, we have have Christian Carlson and Megyn Kelly and Margot Robbie is a composite character. 
where are they going? Then you have to know that Roger Ailes is up there at the top. So we'll see where the drama is. Yeah. That, yeah, I don't know. That that seemed like a very strange trailer. Then be like, hey, look, it's Charlize, but you won't recognize her because she doesn't look anything like herself. She looks just like Man Kelly, which That's is nuts. nuts. But let's move on to the five here. I'm going to run through uh, five stories that dropped this week when you can each pick out which one we want to talk about the most. Uh, Kit Harrington joined the MCU to play Dane Whitman, a.k.a. the Black Knight in Eternals, with Gemma Chan also confirmed to play Cersei, and Barry Keoghan played uh, playing Druid. Uh, Druig. We also got confirmation that Black Panther 2 is coming out on May 6, 2022. We have a title for James Bond 25 called No Time to die uh we also had new casting info for suicide squad 2 with flula borg playing a love interest to an unknown character and steve agee playing the voice of king shark and michael rooker also joined the cast of fast and furious 9 as a last minute addition playing the world of buddy josh <laughs> what of those stories do you want to talk about we definitely got to talk about kid harrington jim and chad uh, and co company here because we got our villains mm, i don't know i don't know either K. Harrington looks like he could play a villain, though. Nah, He's Black, dark Knight, and Black Knight's a hero. He's a hero? Yeah. Oh. He is probably a love interest for Gemma Chan as Cersei. Oh, wow. They're really just packing the... Oh, yeah, the, the, the cast, cast is nuts. But, but, like, Black Knight can also be a standalone character in the future, so... Ooh. If they want to go that route. Or be part of, like, a ensemble, like, UK superhero team. <laughs> oh, man, okay. Well, I guess I totally misread Black Knight, then. I just read... Black Knight, and here we go. <laughs> so, like, you know, I don't know. We didn't have anybody, like, really identified. The Eternals is stacked, and Chloe Zhao is going to be able to work with some of the best talent in television and movies of the last 10 years, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, bring it on. Yeah, I mean, I thought I was really excited about that news as well. I don't think Druig's going to be the villain. I think that's a long-term play, and I don't know who's the villain exactly, but I have a couple of suspicions that you may see an article about on screen right here at some point in the future uh, but since we are talking about that i'm talking about black panther 2 getting confirmed for may 6 2022 that's great news it's a year later than i originally thought it was going to come mm-hmm. but i think getting that promotion up to the may slot for the sequel makes a lot of sense i was hoping for more hoping for a title like war of the kings or something to be like and namor's here he's coming because that'd be awesome but it sounds like we're gonna have to wait probably like another year or so for that of those information so um that's all we have for this episode again thanks to colin for being part of the best films of the year so far list that we did early in the episode uh, this week for the big question he'll be back again to do our most anticipated for the rest of the year lists um, but in the meantime be sure to tell us your thoughts aren't they covered by twitch after the film and you can follow me personally on twitter at movie cooper and you can get at me josh and just joshua ryan and if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe share retweet and more plus head over to itunes and give us a five star review with comments Thanks again for tuning in to the Defensible Podcast. Josh, thank you for stopping in, everyone. And be sure to turn next week for our future episodes.